Kappa Kappa Podcast with Cat Rice. You kind of just like you get used to just asking. I think it's just a polite thing to say or to ask. And but then I, I wouldn't get I wouldn't get offended unless that person did it like purposely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they were being mean. Or something yeah, like that. yeah. Then exactly. I'd be a bit like, I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you find like in the um, you know in the music industry is it becoming more inclusive or more work needs to be done? I think there's definitely positive signs like I always try and look for the positive in these things Mm -hmm. we're not there yet um it's like you know that like just being a part of the music industry we're not there yet but um I think probably one of the biggest changes I've seen over the last few years is in festival lineups obviously there's some where it's just all your your standard male bands um but I think the big ones you've got Glastonbury um, I was at Primavera Sound this year and it was a very, very balanced lineup. Um, and it's just good to see big like musical institutions like Glastonbury, for example, that are taking the step to to give people more of a platform to show off more people's talents. And that's something I really like to see. Um, obviously, there's still problems. Um people who are like maybe women, queer people, people of color who are still having a really hard time in the industry. Um, but it, it's not all bad. There are some positive steps being taken that I've seen, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with everything that you said. I, I just like, I would like to see festivals especially like the heavier music side Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna name festivals but I would like to see like more a more diverse you know headliners and that's for sure because it's like I get it I, I get the you have to it's a business at the end of the day but you also have to sell tickets but I really believe if it was done more um, inclusively, I think the ticket sales probably would boom. <laughs> yeah, I think it would. Yeah, I think, but I think he's just taking that risk. And uh, there are certain festivals in the rock and metal community that uh, I think should be a bit more, you know, a bit more inclusive and uh, just take that risk. I think it'd be, yeah, I think it'd be a good risk to take because obviously, I, you know, I'm, I know it's a business. I need to, I know they need to make money. Mm-hmm. But if it was more more inclusive, I really think that it would set an example, you know, mm-hmm. to follow the bands. But yeah, in like in the in the um, alternative scene, I think there's a lot that needs to be done. Yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't take ten years for a, a, an artist, especially uh, you know uh, people of color, to to take them to the uh, level of popularity that they deserve. And uh, but I want to see more. I want to see more. You know, I want to see more more gays in days. I want to see more. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, on our festival lineups and uh, and more underground and unsigned bands as well. Yeah. I want to see more of those. I want to see. That's what excites me. I think there's a lot of bands coming through at the minute that are just doing such a good job, and they are getting these these spots on festival lineups, which are amazing. I mean, unfortunately, there's always going to be someone in the comments section saying like, oh, you shouldn't be here or you've only been put on the lineup because you're such and such, you're LGBT, you're a person of colour, you're a woman. And that can be really frustrating because you kind of get the sense that, okay, no matter what I do, 
people are always going to think I've been given this opportunity because of such to take and a such. box. Yeah, to take a box. And it's just it's just very frustrating when you see that directed at such talented artists that you know deserve to be on all of the main stages and people just won't look past their own their own prejudices or their own ideas about what the alternative scene should look like. There's uh, this alternative band that I'm obsessed with at the moment, Artio. Artio, uh, uh, they are like mega supporters of, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I said that in one go. Yeah, me. <laughs> um, and uh, they're in the alternative scene, and they're doing a lot of work, but they're still like on the uh, like under the radar alternative. Like they call it like um, dirty pop, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just a bit more like um, I'll just call it alternative. Yeah. And um, they're doing a lot of a lot of great work and uh, promoting the um, the queers queers of Leeds, and I like that. I really like that. And I'm obsessed with them at the moment, but they're working so hard to be included in the the lineups of, uh, you know, festivals and stuff like that. And they are amazing. If you don't know them, go check them out because they're really, really good. I'll definitely look them up. There's just so many, many. I, I could honestly, I could talk about music until like, you know, till whenever. Yeah, and, <laughs> me uh, too. Well, I'm going to ask you this because I find this question quite, uh, the answer to this question quite interesting. If you could, you know, if you could come up with a festival, you know, your festival, you had all the money in the world, who would be your line, like headliners? Three for Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Who would those be? Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, you've got all the money. I'll give you, there we go. All the money. All the money. Um, well I suppose you can look at it sort of a couple of ways you've got like the legacy performers the ones that have headlined a lot of festivals in their time that you you really really just want to see live um for those like my first loves in music were people like Joan Jett, Green Day, Big Love of Mine, um The Cure as well that's a lot of different like rock genres coming together but those are always going to be like my first loves in music but um, when you get to like newer artists, more up and coming artists, I think I think Bob Villain, second time I brought them up here, but I think they should be headlining everything right now. I just I think any festival that doesn't have them on the bill is is missing a trick. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, um, just <laughs> I saw their tiny set on TV or Glastonbury where they had to play at like three o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. I thought I was like at first I was a bit like why why three o'clock in the morning I was just thinking I'm having a self rant is what I call them so I'm like well why why that time but then I'm thinking if it was me if I got asked to do this I didn't care what time they put me on that stage just do you know what I mean I'd go I wouldn't care I would just go like oh you know, I'm going to give in this opportunity. I'm going to go. I'm going to be there, which was very, very good for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's uh, for me, I think it was just like, just. Um, it's so hard. It's really, really hard. But it's just sometimes it's like I think to myself, who would be deserving to be, you know, like headliners and stuff. But. Mm-hmm. I think like bands like the Pretty Reckless definitely would be a good headliner for a festival. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. And then, yeah, like bands such as a New Year's Day. Oh, I like New Year's Day. I actually interviewed um, a few members of that band a few years ago. That was that was How was that like? That was actually one of my only in-person interviews. Um, oh. Was with uh, Nikki Misery and um, LP, their drummer. Um, that was a lot of fun. And, yeah, that was one of my only in-person interviews. And I just, I had a lot of fun with that. And I got to see them. It was at the venue I was going to see them in. Um, so I went to their show later that night. Um, so that was a really, really good day for me. In this moment, and one of my favourite bands as well. So mm-hmm. definitely I think they'd be like right up there. And uh, other bands like that we've got currently, like Nova Twins. Nova Twins, Nova definitely. Twins, yeah, I just bought tickets to see them in February, March. I can't remember. I've got some time next year, yeah. yeah. I've completely lost the run of myself with gig tickets. I just got so excited to be back in England where there's concerts happening all the time. So I just like all of my student finance just on on concert tickets. I, I okay, we won't tell anyone. We, we'll delete this bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, cut that out. <laughs> we'll cut this out. It's fine. Uh, oh gosh, I know. Like it's <laughs> it's always like, oh, there's this gig, and I'm like, oh, can I afford it? Credit card's fine. I'll cry about mm-hmm. it later. Well, then I'm just like, oh, no, no, I can't do it. And there's just so many to 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 choose. And what I do is if I'm not working that gig, if I'm not sort of like interviewing anyone, mm-hmm. uh, then I will buy a ticket. Yeah. If I'm going to go to, you know, to work or to talk with somebody, bands or whatever, I'll, you know, most likely will get on the guest list. But if I'm not working, if it's just for leisure, I will buy a ticket. I will make sure that I'll buy a yeah. ticket. I'm not one of those people like, get me on the guest list. Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not working, you do need so to, why would you need I to like, at least be writing a review or something. I know that. Yeah. Um, I am lucky, though, that, again, the Southampton music scene, we've got so many gorgeous, small, independent venues where the tickets are just so cheap. Like, um seeing seeing artists that are quite big like for example Youngblood is playing in October and he's playing like arenas and things like that but he's doing like a live intimate outdoor show and it, it was literally like 15 quid and so the the tickets are are cheap thankfully and also because you're buying them directly from the venue mm. you're not getting stuck with like 10 pound booking fees administration oh fees. my god don't get me started on that like it's crazy <laughs> existing fee yeah <laughs> venue fee and this and that and the other and then you're gonna go and pay like seven pound fifty for a pint of coca-cola yeah uh, and uh it was just like maybe I should have like drank alcohol instead and I think mm, that might have been cheaper it's crazy it's, it's, um, mm-hmm. but Youngblood I went to see them at album launch yeah it was an album launch um, where they did like intimate shows and it was like um, I went as a punter and it was like £10 a ticket and I'm like mm-hmm. okay I'm gonna get it it's fine cool we'll do it and uh, it was, um, well, for me, it was kind of a surreal experience. And I'll tell you why. Now, I'm 36 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, all the people that were there, they were more or less my age, had their kids with them. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Right? I'm looking around and I'm thinking, 
okay, I feel a little bit out of place, but that's cool. That's cool. That's fine. Because obviously, you know, Youngblood, their music is catered to like younger people, like the yeah. younger generation. I get it. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to join the queue. And then there was these people like kind of like looking at me like, are you lost, love? <laughs> and they're like, no, I'm off to see Youngblood. Okay. And then they're just like, okay, fair enough. And uh, and then there's this venue. It call is uh, we call it like Beckett's. So it is. You've got the stage, and then you've got obviously like uh, where the audience is, and then you've got some steps, and then you've got like a little balcony on the upper floor. But it's just tiny. It's a very very tiny little balcony. So I'm like there just watching everyone, and then seeing more kids come in and come in, and then it was just like when Youngblood was singing about. Um, he was singing weird, I think. Mm-hmm. And then uh, um, I'm trying to think what songs they did. But uh, one thing that comes to uh, my mind is Mars as yeah. well. Singing that and then the acoustic version. And I saw these kids just crying their eyes out. They were feeling the music. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a very emotional person. As is. I'm like, oh, my God, they're crying. Yeah. And I'm just like, proper, like tears, just like everything. I'll cry with everyone. And just like the, the, the atmosphere was just crazy. The environment mm-hmm. was just electrifying. And then when the next song, it was a bit more upbeat. And uh, I can't remember what it was now, which is bugging me. Um, it was very upbeat, whatever. And then uh, Youngblood goes and says, we're going to do like wall of death. <laughs> Go on, spleen to table. I want to see all the middle. And these kids are like, okay, okay, let's go. <laughs> and then like, there's like, a gap in the middle. All like these kids just squashed from one place to another. And then when he, He's like, one, two, three, go. And everyone does, like, just, it was, it was adorable, but it was kind of scary at the same time. Yeah, it's like you feel you need to protect the people in the audience because it is quite a young fan base. I I had a similar experience because um, I saw Youngblood, again, it was one of those, like, intimate acoustic shows for an EP, I think, Um, and it was one of the like kindest mosh pits I've been in. Um, I've I've been in some rough ones in my time, Same. but this one was like <laughs> someone would like sort of take take the reins and go like, okay, everyone into a circle. Is everyone okay? Everyone okay with being in a mosh pit? Okay, go. And it was quite nice, especially when it is like a younger fan base. If I had been in a mosh pit at that age, I would have freaked out. So it's nice that it had that environment that everyone was looking after each other. It was because I, I think back to when I was like maybe I don't know 13, 14 years old, 15. If I was like in a mosh pit like that, I'd be like, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, run away, no way, I'm not doing this. Um, but nowadays, I think people are just a bit more kinder, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot more kinder. I I was like talking about mosh pits actually. I was at uh, the this is quite scary to think about it, but Download Festival 2007 2008. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, it was a long time ago now. Um, there was a um like a, a Guinness uh record thing um it was devil driver so devil driver they did like the biggest like mosh pit or whatever oh, and wow. wall of death 
And I was right in the middle thinking, okay, okay, this is for to break a record. I'm going to give it a go. And then when everyone started going around, because you were going around the tent, they were in this, you know, one of the tents and going around and the thing was massive. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Okay, no, I changed my mind. Too late. Ugh, everyone just like went around, around, around. It was crazy. But to be a part of that as well, I was like, I thought it was pretty cool when I thought mm -hmm. about it. But at the time, I was scared. I was yeah. just like so, so bad. Like, hungover, hungry day. Yeah, just general festival vibes. I, I love festivals. Always have mm -hmm. been. Always, always done, loved festivals. And, uh, but one of my favorite bands is Paramore. Now, mm -hmm. love Paramore. Only saw them. Um, once uh back a download 2007 in this tiny tent you know like when um the most like underground and unsigned bands um or just bands that got just signed up by indie labels etc start off and it was tiny they were playing at like lunchtime and i was like oh i'm gonna go see this band and I was like, I loved it. I loved it from then on. I'd been following their career up to now and then just like huge yeah. now. And do you have a band like that? That's what Paramore is like to me. Um, Wouldn't be as big a band, but I've had that kind of experience with Fontaine's DC, mm. um, the, the Irish band. I'm a big, big fan of their music. The first time I saw them was, it was in Southampton, of course. Uh, I managed to get a press ticket for that one, which was excellent because that gig had been sold out in advance. So oh, I was very I pleased to happens. get a press ticket. Like, yes. <laughs> and um, my plus one was also very pleased that I got the press tickets for that. Um, so that was in the 1865. So there would have been um, the, one of the venues, like my favorite venue in Southampton. So there would definitely have been under a thousand people there. Um, it was a great gig. It was it was wild, and it was just after their first album had really taken off. So it was kind of this this idea of okay, we're probably never going to see them in a venue like this again. Um, a couple of years later, I saw them playing Custom House Square in Belfast. It was an outdoor gig, part of a. Um, in Northern Ireland, we don't really have music festivals like they do here. We would have like sort of series of concerts in the summer. Um, so this was one of those and this time it was a couple of thousand people again a lot of fun I went to that one with my dad and we had a great time oh. like right up at the front and then the third time so this is the band I've seen more than anyone else I think wow, okay um, the third time was this summer at Primavera Sound and they were playing the main stage like going into the evening they were playing the main stage so there was tens of thousands I don't even know how many people were we're at that. I was right at the front, right in the pits. And so it's been amazing to see see them grow like that. And I've sort of been at a concert for every stage of their career so far. And I can't wait to see them again. I wonder wonder where they're gonna go next. Have you ever interviewed them? No, but it's on that's the list. It's on, on the bucket list, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is there any artist that on your bucket list? Um oh so many, like I think my let's do a top three I think top three top three Green Day would be massive for me mm. I love Green Day I've seen them a few times that's like that was kind of my introduction to rock music um so that was that was a really big deal I actually um I just did a podcast because of myself and a few friends have started a podcast called Records That Make Made Us oh, and that's um, really good 
So it's one of us each week or not each month. However, we're still very at the start, so I don't know how often they're going to be coming out. But we choose an album that like defined us, and I just I love that idea. I could go on forever. I've got so many albums. (laughs) No, it's for the best that I have a podcast now because otherwise, like people in my everyday life would have to listen to me talk about it all the time, and you know, people are starting to get tired of that. I think. Um, No, it's all in your head. Trust me, (laughs) it's all in your head. It's. No, I, uh, if, if someone, if people were like, I don't want to hate you anymore, they'd tell you about it. You know how mm-hmm. people are like, especially, yeah. you know, in the realms of the social media. Um, yeah. They'd tell you, but sometimes, most of the time, it's in our heads because sometimes mm-hmm. we just feel so insecure about ourselves and about our skills. Yeah, especially when you start talking really excitedly about something that you're really passionate about and you're like, oh, wait people don't care about this do people want to hear this but I mean personally I love to hear people talking about things they're passionate about even if I know nothing about it like I know nothing about most things I have like very specific specific skills but I just love hear hearing people talk about things they're excited about I think it's the best thing so we've got Green Day on the list Green Day on the list um The Cure would also probably be on the list they're amazing um who would the third be yeah Joan Jett might be up there as well I think she's amazing the closest I got was um transcribing someone else's interview with Joan Jett that's it might be the closest closest. it might be the closest I ever get but I was I was just happy to do that not too bad trust me not too bad that's that sounds perfect did you go to see um Green Day in their latest run in the UK I did, yeah, with Fallout Boy and Weezer. That was it was one of those things I'd bought the tickets for that show in twenty nineteen. Same. And it didn't happen until twenty twenty two. But um I actually caught COVID at that gig. I had oh. avoided COVID the whole time and I got it at that gig. Um but like it was actually all right at that point. I'd done a lot of traveling for concerts in May and June, and that was the very last thing I had planned. So my body really held out until the very end and then was just like right it's time for COVID you need to get this over with so um I tested positive when I got back home (laughs) no it wasn't too bad I guess I think the worst thing about it was that I was back home so I was living with my parents Mm -hmm. and I was trying not to give it to them so I was in my room and just in my room for about a week and then at the end of the week they got it anyway so I didn't I didn't have to spend all that time in my room never mind yeah (laughs) hopefully they didn't get it too badly no we were all we were all really okay we were just oh, staying good. inside um I sort of had a lot of different symptoms but none of them were too bad so it was oh. it was fine um, so, but yeah that's okay then <laughs> probably probably worth it to see that green day gig I think it was it was really really good I caught COVID for the first time uh after a gig as well actually yeah I went to see uh Bowling for Soup mm-hmm at one of my like favorite venues ever I love the Brixton Academy mm-hmm. I love Brixton Academy have you ever been I haven't no um so I love love it for two things I it's an iconic venue in uh, London but also is <laughs> because the way it's laid out uh basically I'm only like five two uh, mm-hmm. so I'm quite a short person and the way they've got the stage and then it's just sort of like um it goes like up a hill so it's like slanted okay. and so wherever you are yeah in the audience wherever you are you can see the band that's a good thing we need more places like that we do 
Yeah, we do. We need more places like this. And um, it, it was just like, I had a great time. It was packed. It was bowling for Sue, being supported by um, Simple Plan. Yeah, Simple Plan. I was never a big fan of Simple Plan, but they brought it. It was a very good show. I had a really, you know, good experience. And then after the gig, um, I decided to, uh, well, I needed to save money. So I decided not to stay over in London and get a coach, the last coach from London to Leeds, where I live. Mm -hmm. And this was late at night and just like took forever. It takes about four and a half hours, whatever. But I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to be asleep. But I felt so rough. I thought I had a bit to drink, but this does not feel like a hangover. And the next day... Um, I was feeling so bad thinking, oh, maybe I just got a really bad hangover. But mm-hmm. then I was just like, the next day I was just like, oh my God, I don't feel good. What's this? And it was like, uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was, well, if I still played Valentine's Day, uh, 2020. Uh, and then the following day was my husband's birthday. So I remember it quite well. And I was just so, so ill the next day and then just spent like two weeks in bed because I didn't really know where I had, but I knew because I'd had swine flu before, yeah, like a few years back. So I it felt really similar. So mm-hmm. I thought, oh, this this feels contagious. I'm not going to go anywhere. And then with all the symptoms and stuff like that, COVID, great. And then I got COVID again <laughs> uh, last year, mm-hmm. a bloodstock. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with them. It's it's always concerts and festivals, isn't it? With another um, 2,000 people that got COVID mm. stuck. Yeah. Oh, it was so bad, but, you know, my life is fine. Um, mm. But it wasn't, it wasn't as bad the second time round. Yeah. Because it was the first. The first time it was just, like, so bad. I thought I was going to die. It was awful. Uh, but then it was just, like, you know when people were, like, oh, it's just the flu. It's, like, yeah. this flu is killing people, you know? Like, not mm-hmm. just the flu. Uh, Especially but- right at the beginning, everyone was just saying, it's a flu, it's a flu. And then suddenly, like, the rest of my uni term was cancelled. It was, like, okay, need to start worrying, I think. Yeah, and then it's just like, you know, being pollen and not being able to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Not being able to do anything and having to wear a mask all the time. And now I'm mm-hmm. used to it, I, you know, I wear a mask from time to time if it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I understand more about it. But at the time, I didn't really understand what was happening to me. So, um, but then, you know, like so many gigs got cancelled and stuff like that afterwards. So um, many life got cancelled almost you know what I mean like life as we know it just and uh, a lot of people that I know were so used to their um, routines mm-hmm. so used to their routine you know you wake up and you have your breakfast whatever you have a wash stuff like that and then you go do your thing for the day and then you come home and so you're just so used to your routine and then all of a sudden it's just everything gets taken away so suddenly almost and you find yourself having to work from home and having to consider oh do I go out shopping or not do I order it in am I going to get <laughs> get it delivered and all of this stuff yeah. happening and a lot of people found themselves in the 
uh, feeling depressed and it was a depression that it never felt before um and he was recognizing that maybe these people have felt that depression before but they would have kept their minds focused on something else and then now mm-hmm. they don't have well then they didn't have anything to to do really and it's like oh my god this is what it feels like you know yeah. it was a sad time for a lot of people mm-hmm. but like i said you know like i said for myself it was just like i'm just gonna take this and go along with it and uh here we are, here we are. yeah it's fine yeah it's just really trying to make the best of it and it wasn't possible to make the best of it I think we've all had because it was such a long period of time like anyone who was totally productive and having a great time throughout lockdown I'm not sure if those people actually exist I think we all had times where we just couldn't make the best of it or it was just getting really hard especially because it was such a long period of time it's it's impossible to stay motivated and stay positive when you're stuck inside for that length of time Mm, absolutely especially when you're just so used to being out there and doing stuff yeah uh, I don't know like having going out to work rather than having your work with you 24 7 Mm-hmm. it was it's very hard to escape it at that point mm-hmm. yeah for me it was it was uni classes yeah, yeah, yeah I really hated online classes I just couldn't focus on them at all it was just so easy to open up a new tab and look at something else that I found it very very hard to focus on on classes so I was quite glad when we were back in person um like I said I was living in France I was studying there and we had in-person classes so I was definitely grateful for that because I lived in this tiny little student accommodation room. So if I'd had to stay in there all the time and do my classes online, I would have found that really hard. Mm. So you see, you, you were in France. How does that compare to living in the Southampton? <laughs> um, again, like I, mm. I love Southampton so much because like my friends are here. We've got the music scene here. Oh. So moving to France totally different experience there was a bit of a music scene um I actually spent my year we had a research project to do and I thought to myself I spend a lot of time talking to bands and talking about music how can I get graded for this so Mm. I ended up doing a study on the use of French and the use of English in alternative music in Toulouse where I was living nice okay that sounds really interesting yeah, and I, I thought for a long time throughout the year, I was like, I've chosen something too niche. This is going to be impossible. But as soon as I put out, just in a few Facebook groups of for the city, um, for the live music scene, I said, hey, I'd like to talk to some bands, some musicians about what language you use and your ad- attitudes towards French and English in your music. And I got such a good response. I even I even had to like turn people away. I could only take on oh. certain people for interviews. And it was just amazing because I, I wasn't expecting to get very interesting results. Just kind of some people use French, some people use English. Here's why. But I then had people coming to me saying, oh, I sing in French and English, but I also sing in German. Mm. I also sing in Occitan, which is the regional language of that area. I also sing in like Louisiana French. So I just got to talk to really, really cool people um, who were using different languages in their music. And that was a lot of fun for me. So I really enjoyed that research project, which isn't something a lot of people can say. I know a lot of people who did the project on something they maybe weren't as interested in and just didn't have a good time with it. 
I think when it comes to stuff like that, you have to be really uh, passionate about the subject that you're going to be talking about. Because mm -hmm. if you're just doing it because you feel, all right, I'm going to do this to get them to pass. Yeah. You know what I mean? To pass or get the, uh, you know, the marks that I need. But then if you just, you're not going to be happy with it because you're just going to, you're going to criticize it more. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you're just yeah. not happy with it. When it comes to languages and music, I love when artists sing in their native language. Yeah. I love that. I, um, again, one of my favorite bands as well is Lacuna Coil and they're Italian. So I love it when they sing in Italian. Um, because I think it just shows that um, originality and authenticity. It's just like when they sing in their own um, language, it feels like almost cathartic. I don't know. It just sounds so good. And yeah, I love that. I love when artists do that as well. Because uh, obviously, you know, English, it is one of the universal languages. But mm -hmm. Uh, when it comes to music, I I love that, and uh, even if I don't know the language, I'll <laughs> maybe because I just like it. But I go out of my way to find out what they're singing about. <laughs> yeah, that's what I really wanted to get to the bottom of. Like, are people choosing to sing in English because it is maybe a more commercial language? You're going to mm, reach more people true, that yeah. way. Or are people choosing to sing in their native language, which is kind of going against the norm of a lot of music genres and kind of adding the fact that it was alternative music there was a lot of punk music it's like how does that feed into it punk music especially is always about going against the norms and doing your own thing so it was really interesting to um apply that to the research as well and somehow i managed to like cite the clash like add the clash to my list of references in that academic essay and I just thought that was the coolest thing, like all of these like academic papers and journals. And then I cite a couple of Clash songs. I, I was very pleased with myself. That's really cool. You know, like, you know, when we're just like proper nerding out over this. Yeah. And then some people are going to be listening to this like, what, what? what why is that so why is that so good? I'm like, yes, so interesting. I like my face. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. <laughs> yeah. So um, while music journalism isn't really related to my degree like I said I'm studying yes Spanish, yeah 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 I still get those opportunities to use it even if it's not the languages directly it's kind of a knowledge of language and linguistics that means I always have a lot of fun interviewing artists that use languages other than English or languages as well as English um, I've been quite lucky to to talk to some people about that recently so that's been a great experience for me and it's also like the um the bands appreciate it so much more mm -hmm. you know and there's just like you um I don't know I think it's just that bond that special bond as well when you are mm -hmm. interviewing someone and you've gone out of your way to um interview them in their native language where you could have just done in your you know your own mother tongue mm -hmm. um but I, I find that so it's so interesting so mm -hmm. so interesting uh there's so many bands out there that um, they, despite being from, you know, other countries, they sing in English. Um, but the only one that comes to mind that was like, you know, hugely popular is Rammstein. Yeah, of course. They sing in their own, you know, their own language. Now, I don't know a lot of German. Um, and I know that their subjects can be a bit, you know, controversial and stuff like that. Uh, they put on a hell of a show though mm -hmm. <laughs> put on a hell of a show i've heard anyway, that yeah you know 
Um, but uh, I don't I don't know of many of the bands apart from like um, Alien Weaponry. They are from New Zealand, so they do a lot of their uh, songs in a native uh, language in their dialect as well, which is pretty yeah. cool. Uh, but there isn't many bands out there that you can say like they just m- sing in their native language ninety five percent of the time. Yeah, especially well known bands. If you sort of dive further into different music scenes, mm-hmm. um, I was speaking to a band called um, Melon Melon recently, who are mm. from Wales, and they, they they sing quite a lot in Welsh, which I think is amazing. And they were saying it's a that very difficult language to learn. It is, yeah, I've heard that. Um, but apparently, actually, if you learn the alphabet, um, it's actually quite easy to read. So once you kind of get the English or get your native language out of your head and think, okay, this letter actually sounds like this, this letter actually sounds like this, it's not like the English or whatever, it's quite easy to read. But um, yeah, so I just, I love I love talking to people about languages. When I, I can, love languages. Yeah, when I can get that in with, with talking to people about music as well I'm just I'm in my happy place oh absolutely I uh, for me like being bilingual as well like well my um well English is my second language I Mm -hmm. speak Portuguese however uh being here for so long and my husband's British my kids are British so we speak English all the time Mm -hmm. and but then going back to my mother's house my sister's house and stuff we we use both so when we're using both languages and just gets mixed up in there you know like it's just a bit of english a bit of portuguese and even some spanish thrown in there and it gets a bit weird um but we're just so used to it now that when i went back home when i went to lisbon uh to visit i found it really difficult to speak my language full time to just switch like that I found it so difficult Mm -hmm. yeah definitely when I was coming back and forward from France I mean I was only in France for a year so it's it's not the same level though my French definitely did improve a lot in that time It, it really makes a difference living in a country but I would really find it hard to like switch off certain things when I came back home to visit like um if someone for example held a door open for me I was so used to saying like merci Mm-hmm. um or like s'il vous plaît for different things that mm-hmm. I was actually that kind of small talk that kind of everyday stuff I find really hard to switch back into English I would just keep automatically going for the French and then looking absolutely ridiculous <laughs> a lot of people say that French people are rude uh what's your experience um I definitely didn't find that in my time I I obviously hear that that a lot like that's kind of one of the first things people say to me when when I'm talking about France um but I think it's more of like a big city thing I think maybe places like Paris you're gonna find that but if you go to the smaller cities everyone was really nice to me like um I I discovered that the best way to get French conversation to meet French people is to go to a rock concert or like a rock venue wearing an Idols t-shirt because I had so many people coming up to me being like I love that band yeah that was like that was like one of my most successful ways of of meeting French people was to just wear an Idols t-shirt in in this rock bar I used to go to a few gigs at um uh, another thing another thing I did what I call my high stakes conversation practice yeah. was I got some tattoos when I was over there as well oh okay what did you get 
Um, so you can probably see a few of them here. This was one of them. I got it done uh, a flash day when I was over there. And um, this one as well, yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my flowers. Um, this is actually the Toulouse Violet. So it's the oh, flower, okay. flower yeah, that's yeah. very specific to the city. And that was, so that was a big deal because I did, I organized the appointment. I told the artist my ideas. I did the whole appointment in French. So that was a, that was a really big way to like boost my confidence. I bet. But, in all of those experiences, people were really nice. People were really kind that I was speaking to. Um, so I guess it just kind of depends where you are, um, whether the whole people being rude stereotype holds yeah. up or not. My experience is like when it comes to language is that, uh, well, when I was in school, I, uh, you know, they teach you English, you know, it's just one of those that they teach you, stuff like that, but it's more of the American English, you know, mm -hmm. garbage rather than rubbish that sort of thing and uh but obviously you know I was really good at school and I thought you know I'm moving to England oh, I've got this and then you move to England it's like I don't have this yeah it's it's a big difference it's like and I thought I was like I've already moved a couple of times from Northern Ireland to Southampton like I'll be absolutely fine moving to another country but when I got there it was definitely a wake-up call even with like the language barrier, um, I, I discovered very quickly that hearing French and hearing French behind a mask is very different. Oh god! Because yeah. masks were still compulsory, and mm. you do rely a lot on be able to being able to see people's mouths moving. Um, so that was that was quite something I found quite difficult when I went over there. But just in general, I think moving to another country is is really really hard. Like it I'm is. glad I did it, but definitely it's it's not an easy thing to do. It's so difficult. It's mm -hmm. so so hard. But also like for me, uh, watching like movies that were set in the you know in London stuff like that, thinking it was all glamorous and mm -hmm. oh my god, it's so good and whatever, and then actually touching down and the airport Heathrow airport was a bit like especially in the early 2000s a bit weird and smelt funny you know when people mm -hmm. could smoke indoors yeah and you got that waft of just cigarette smoke it was horrible and then we would go outside and I uh, lived in uh, Tottenham at the time <laughs> and going to to this place and thinking oh my god this is weird yeah and uh i'm from a very small place in portugal so we, we used to lead uh, quite a rural life mm -hmm. <laughs> very small yeah yeah small village and whatever like population probably five thousand people i go to a city when there's like 20 million and it's yeah. just like oh my god and i was like 17 at the time as well so and thinking oh you know i've learned english i've got this and then not even being able to uh you know to order mcdonald's or whatever it was mm -hmm. so so difficult so i you know i i, I get it in a way i do i do get it yeah yeah and it's it's something that if you haven't done it you don't really get because i had so mm. many people the first week i was there when i was just like crying all the time people that would be like oh but it's just like a holiday like it's just like you're on holiday you must be having such a good time and i was like nobody talked to me for a couple of weeks I do not want to hear it mm. 
it's it's not like a holiday it's not like a holiday <laughs> no it's not like a holiday when you have to like you know pay your bills and do the grocery shopping and everything like that it's it's just not the same a holiday is when you you know you pay for somewhere in advance you don't have to deal with bills you don't have to call people mm-hmm. uh to deal with stuff like that you know like grown-up stuff yeah <laughs> yeah deal. grown-up stuff right you don't have to deal with any of this stuff you're just there to have a good time and then it's like no this is not a holiday i have to go talk to some important people about some important stuff <laughs> it's my it's like you know it's my life i have to to, to do it otherwise i'm gonna not gonna make it and, mm-hmm. uh, and then reality almost like sets in you know as a daunting reality of being yeah. a grown-up <laughs> <laughs> yeah so much so much responsibility it is so much responsibility and um I just yeah, but it's it's fine. <laughs> we're all here, we're all fine. <laughs> uh, but what's what are you working on? What's uh, what's this year like? You you started uh, you know uni again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. I think. Uh, I mean, like music journalism probably should calm down a little bit for me, whether it will or not, because I am doing this degree. Um, so whether I'm whether I'm actually going to have as much time, but I'm planning on having as much time um i've because i've started writing for a few other publications i've got some interviews that are going to be coming out quite soon i think i don't have any Ooh, exact dates but so exciting um it's it's exciting i've i've been working quite hard over the summer writing different things so i'm really excited for those those to come out and i just want to keep going like writing album reviews doing interviews when i can going to concerts all the time and hopefully having time to finish my degree and all, all of that it sounds uh sounds like a busy year yeah yeah It'll i'm expecting very, very it to be a busy year, year. <laughs> what would be your dream job um there i don't have like a dream publication or anything in mind i think there's just so many great ones in the uk that i would be so happy to work with um I'm not sure maybe like an actual like editor job, something like that, or just being able to freelance and and do this for a living. I work very well with the kind of work from home, flexible setup that works very well for me. So a freelance job would be amazing. Or I can just like, you know, uh, have a cup of tea, (laughs) listen to your music. Whatever I want. (laughs) (laughs) Do you prefer coffee or tea? tea definitely got the tea today yeah actually when I was living in France I had to take tea with me because you couldn't just buy a box of Yorkshire tea bags that just didn't exist in the shops so I always packed it and brought it with me and like counted out the tea bags to make sure I had enough to last me until I was next at home how do you take your tea um a little bit of milk a little bit of sugar and Mm. always Yorkshire tea or Mm. Suki tea is another very good one. I don't know how much they have that in England because it's made in Belfast, mm. but Suki tea is very, very nice. So I would recommend that as well. I prefer coffee. I've I never gotten, in, coffee. gotten into coffee. I think it's one of those things you kind of have to like adjust to, like you start drinking it and it's kind of horrible at the start. So you have to sort of make yourself drink it. And I just don't have the commitment for that just yet. <laughs> I always thought because I'm Portuguese and Portuguese people are really into their coffee. Uh-huh. Uh, you you know, I don't know if you've ever been to Portugal before, but there's cafes everywhere. Yeah. It's just almost like France. You know, if you go to yeah. uh, like Paris or wherever, you know, there's always like cafes yeah everyone you know so it's very much like that um back in lisbon 
and uh so it's cafes and stuff like that so you'd have like i don't know by the end of the day you probably have like 10 espressos or whatever um <laughs> so i've always loved coffee but when it comes to tea i love my herbal teas uh-huh yeah herbal stuff for me turmeric tea uh green tea like if it sounds weird i'm gonna try it yeah but no fruity teas no not a fan i've been probably more into fruity teas than herbal teas but i like just your standard breakfast brew is is the best i think yeah my coffee is just black i don't take it with anything mm. else i'm one of those just pure coffee pure it's, caffeine yeah uh you know i i like my coffee just like my metal black <laughs> or like my soul black that was another black. joke someone said yeah <laughs> Not a lot of not a lot of people get that, but that's just a you know a weird one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like you're gonna have a uh, a very 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 busy few months. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for it. <laughs> oh, that it sounds it all sounds very very exciting. Now, if I was to go to Southampton to a music venue, which one would you recommend? My ultimate favorite is the 1865. Um, it's one of the smaller venues, but I've just I've never been to a bad concert there and I think even if I did go to a bad gig it would still be a good time because it's the 1865. Um, an absolute classic though is the Joiners. It's been on the go for I think it I think it's it's 55th anniversary this year. Wow. Um, everyone has played the Joiners. Um, if if a band has come up in the UK or anywhere else like Green Day have played the Joiners, Placebo have played the Joiners like um, they've just got this wall of names that of people who have played in that venue and it's incredible to see the kind of people that have played on that stage they actually have a book um, oh. where they've got a lot of the lists of like um, gigs that happened by year and it's just amazing to go through and see just how famous some of the artists are that came up in this tiny venue that holds a couple of hundred people I have a lot of books, <laughs> a lot of books. Do you read? I read a lot, a lot, yeah, especially over lockdown. And when I was away studying last year, I had quite a big commute. So mm -hmm. I really got into reading and I especially love reading books about music as well. Autobiographies, biographies, just general nonfiction about music. Um, I really Same. enjoy I prefer nonfiction rather than fiction. I don't know why. I think I've always preferred like reading about my favorite artists or yeah. reading about about music as well. I'm proper mm -hmm. like in, really into. This is sounds sounds like a proper nerd, but um, how reading about sounds now, how mm -hmm. everything's how music and instruments, how each instrument sounds like, and the. Uh, just the theory of sound yeah <laughs> when you listen to something for me i listen to a song and uh most people would be paying more attention to the lyrics and to the person singing said song mm -hmm. for me i'm always paying attention to the drums i'm paying attention to the synth i'm paying attention to the all the other stuff going on around the yeah. uh, the singing and uh, I'm just like, ooh, sounds like this and it sounds like that. So I like to just pick it apart as much as I can. Mm -hmm. But that's me. I'm just, I love that kind of stuff. Can't help it. Yeah. And there are, there's some really great books about at the minute about 
so many different kinds of music like um I read one this year it was called Rip It Up and Start Again and it mm. was all about post-punk and this was a thick book this was like like I think maybe like 600 pages with tiny tiny font so it was kind of like reading like the bible or something but I loved it it was just so in-depth about all the different post-punk scenes that were happening in the 70s and 80s and it was it was just amazing like I think most other people would look at that kind of book and be like what's going on but I was like I was just absorbing all well, of it's it. like engrossed it's proper like uh I, I'm like I'm like that with uh, you know with just stuff about music all the time. Yeah. I um I watched I like watching documentaries about music as well. Mm-hmm. Um and like serial killers. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Anything like that, like serial yeah. killers and uh, I don't know. People fascinate me. I, I can't yeah. help it. People just fascinate me. Either they do bad things or good things. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, I was watching that Woodstock '99. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it yet myself, but I've seen I've seen a lot about it. Yeah, don't you, <laughs> you get someone nerves when people watch something and they go on social media this and this and this and this and like, damn man, you just spoil it for me. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. watch that tonight. Yeah. I was gonna watch it now. I don't want to watch it anymore. Like you just told me what happens. Um, but that that was a really good watch. Mm-hmm. definitely give that a watch um if you're into festivals and stuff like that because it was carnage uh, yeah. absolute carnage and um i've always had like good experiences of festivals apart from like the riot of download festival one one year mm-hmm. when i was camping and people like setting fire to to tents and people going a little crazy and i felt a bit scared yeah um but to be honest since then I've not really stayed um I, I always go hotel yeah definitely I'm not a camping person I just don't do well in like the outdoors I, <laughs> I'd definitely yeah. rather a hotel I so you have to and... with most of like festivals and stuff you have to book so far in advance or you will be paying a fortune for a place to stay as soon as I left download this year I'm kind of losing like track of the years now uh yeah this year soon I booked my hotel straight away I'm like I'm booking mm-hmm. my hotel and then getting my tickets and stuff like that mm-hmm. um I love going to festivals as a you know just as a punter because doing media of festivals can be a bit like I don't know anxiety inducing I, yeah. I I'd say you know you just like you got your schedule and you running after this artist like can you talk to me please and uh at this time and they're like no i'm busy and it's like oh my god okay mm-hmm. um but it can be a bit like so uh, yeah last last download for me was like it was mental yeah <laughs> it was really good uh but i want to open like i want to i'm open to go and try other festivals something a bit more uh more indie you know what yeah. i mean rather than just be more the uh like metal whatever i been to glastonbury once i was working it was mm-hmm. when it was the oh god when they had a really really bad flood and i was working with a friend like we had this burger van so we had to go from one side to another we had this like this little boat <laughs> we had a little boat so we were yeah. like rowing from one side to the other oh no <laughs> we like getting like food for one side and it's like no just abandon ship it's just yeah. like no this is just not worth it it's just like let's just go that was just too much no but uh, i'd like to try the festivals rather than the 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 usual ones you know the downloads the bloodstock 
fucks and the Hellfest fuck and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'd like to try other ones. Um, yeah, I definitely, I'd like to get more into the festivals in the UK. There's, I really haven't been to that many. So I'm hoping this summer, like I'm going to be back in the UK, probably still in England. So looking forward to some festival announcements so I can plan what do I want to go to? What do I want to try and manage to get a press ticket for? That's that's definitely my goal for next year. Recently, Slam Dunk Festival have announced a bunch of bands. They did, yeah, I saw that. It's quite a big announcement. It was a big, big announcement. Inner Shikari and The Offspring being one of those, uh, well, two bands that got announced as headliners, which is mm-hmm. really cool. But I want to see, I want to see more. I know they're bringing back the old, like you know, early two thousands emo bands, which is, you know, f- for me it's great. But I wanted to see a bit more. Again, diversity. Yeah. I wanted to see a bit more, like different bands in there. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, there's more to come. Maybe I can just email them. Like, what about what about this one and that one? Maybe <laughs> yeah. I can persuade them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that would ever work. So it seems like you're gonna be very, very busy in these next uh, coming months. Are you uh, thinking about? staying put in uh, Southampton or after you finish your course are you thinking about perhaps just moving back to to Ireland or I I think I'll stay here for a while there's also always the possibility of moving to London that's kind of where everything's happening but London kind of scares me I'm from a very small town like in the country in Northern Ireland so London still kind of scares me it is scary yeah Southampton is definitely the right size for me I'm really happy here at the moment so if I get the chance to stay here after I graduate um I would be I would be very pleased with that yeah before I let you go what are the, have you got any gigs that you're going to oh, and then... oh so so many I think yeah I've got oh that's it coming up before the end of the year that I've just the ones that I've booked tickets for so I'm going to see just mustard next week at the loft in Southampton. I'm seeing Projector, Youngbloods, Wargasm, and yeah. Scene Queen, The Pretty Reckless, Yard Act, The Cure, and Placebo. I'm going up to Glasgow to see. My sister lives up there. So nice. my dad and I are going over to see uh, The Cure and Placebo in the same weekend, which is just oh, wow. so much fun. And then, yeah, I've got a few things booked for next year as well, way in advance, like Nova Twins, nice. Dead Kennedys I'm seeing. Oh, wow, okay. So I was like, obviously not the original lineup, but I was like, I've heard so? like, the lineup they've got is pretty good. So I was like, why not? Um, Big Joni as well. I've got, I've got a ticket to see in January. So I've got a lot of concerts coming up. That's not even including the ones I'm going to start emailing and trying to get press tickets for if I want to write a review for them. Um, so yeah, I've got busy schedule up ahead, which is great. Thank you so much, Vicky, for having a chat with me. I think if we we, we could have carried on until I know I'd moment. like I just looked at the time. I didn't I just realize at the just time. how much time has passed. This is great. <laughs> I had a really great time. Hopefully, we can do this again in the future. I'll catch Absolutely. up. Absolutely, yeah. Let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, podcast you're working on. What was it called? It's called Records That Made Us and it's available on Spotify. Awesome. Um, I'll make sure I'll check it out as well. Give it a share. Thank like. you. We've got a few episodes up already and we're we're really excited to keep going. Honestly, it sounds like a fun idea and uh, I could talk about music until whenever. Yeah, <laughs> literally same. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. You too. I had a, I had a really great chat. I had a really great oh, time. Thank you so much. Grab a cup of podcast. With Cat Rice.